welcome back to the Practice Makes Faithful podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us today. Uh, my name is Ben, and today I'm joined by our lead minister at Grace Chapel, Paul Hubart. Good day to all of you. It is good morning for us. That's why I had to stumble on the good. It was. I was trying to be very Australian this morning and say good day. But no, that's great. Yeah, it's good to be here. And we are also joined once again by our discipleship minister, Rob Shaver. It is it is good to be here, and it's it's good to have been here. So I appreciate you guys, yeah, inviting me the last several weeks and getting to kind of flesh out because because you get you work so hard on and long on lessons to get to preach in front mm-hmm. of a, a congregation and and just to have that extra time. Uh, I guess to get more mileage out of the work, you know, through the podcast. But then also, it's just been really great to discuss and to go deeper and uh, chew on some things. And and you guys bring up and have questions that are things that maybe I didn't think about. And so uh, that helps me on a personal level. Mm -hmm. So it's not just, Mm -hmm. oh, here's a lesson that I put together, which I mean, that rarely is. But uh, so, yeah, it's good to be here. Appreciate it. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, man. We love, we have loved having you here for this series because we've been in this series called Back on Track that Rob's been leading us through for this whole month of February. If you're just tuning in for the first time, you might want to go back and check out those previous messages. This has been a series on discipleship based on the book of 1 Corinthians. And we have really appreciated the messages that you've led and just some of these conversations that we've had out of this. I think we've had some really, really beneficial stuff. So thank you. Thanks for being with us. So, uh, Rob, as we get going, would you just give us just a quick snapshot snapshot of where we've been in this series leading up to this point, and uh, yeah, on what's what the Apostle Paul has been trying to tell the Christian the Christians in Corinth in uh, Corinth. All right, that that's a lot of that's a we could make a tongue. <laughs> no, tongue twister. Yeah, tongue twister Christians in Corinth. That is, <laughs> there is. There's there's a lot of richness in in the text uh, in the letter in the first Corinthian letter mm-hmm. and and so much that does deal with discipleship, I, you know. But maybe on the surface you wouldn't you wouldn't judge it that way. But when you start to go through and and you just so much of it comes up, I, I've kind of seen these first four chapters as is almost being a large introduction to the text. Mm -hmm. And in it, uh, where there are definitely issues that have come up that the Apostle Paul is is addressing, things that seems like maybe he was having some kind of conversation with people, either they had come to him or they had written him letters, and then he's he's gonna get into answering those specific things. But as to lay the foundation, he does so in a couple of ways. And a lot of it's uh, making the appeal to Hey, remember when I was with you? Remember how things got started? Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so much of the time, getting back on the tr- on track means going back to the beginning, right? Like mm-hmm. getting back to your roots, like because yeah. things get started the right way, hopefully. And and let's get back to that. So Paul's making the appeal to, hey, remember how I was, how I acted when I was with you, the kind of how how I did things, and imitate me, because I, I've been trying to imitate Christ, so. You remember how I was and imitate me, and that's one level of that. But then remember how you were when you first mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. came to Christ. And remember, uh, because it seems like they had maybe been discipled more by the world than by um, by good Christian mentors yes. or by whatever scriptures they may have had. 
so uh, kind of getting them back on track in that way. Yeah, I think that's really good, Rob. And I think um, in particular, I mean, it's so applicable to us today because we are at this place where certainly the world is discipling us more than, uh, than we are being discipled by the church often. You know, I think mm-hmm. uh, the Barna study that came out, um, I don't know, within maybe the last year that talks about um, especially young people, the millennial generation, but, but a lot of us too that are in Gen X and even, even older, I think, uh, spending so much time being influenced by digital media, consuming that mm-hmm. online. And so for the millennial generation, they said, uh, you know, it was 20 hours roughly per week consuming podcasts, YouTube content, other things like that. And that even for millennial Christians, um, out of that 20 hours per week, they were consuming roughly one that might be Christian content. So they were being discipled at a 19 to one rate uh, by the things in the world. So I think certainly what was written, Paul wrote to the Corinthian Christians is very applicable to us today, I think as well too. Um, Love how you have uh, shaped this series in a way to, to point out that really Yes, we could, we could be tempted to read this first letter to the Corinthians as um, a letter in which Paul was just addressing all their problems. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're divided. Boy, you're really blowing it on that. You've got <laughs> some sexual immorality in your church that needs to be dealt with. You guys are really blowing it on that. Even when it comes to spiritual gifts, you guys are so goofed up. We don't, I don't even know what to say to you. Just figure this mess out. Get your understanding about marriage correct. I mean, all these different things that we could look at and be tempted to say, that's the focus of the letter is mm-hmm. here's this super messed up church. And Paul was just trying to fix their problems. But it's very plain in the way that you've kind of framed this to say, you know, here are these instances where Paul slips in what looks like this one-off statement that makes it very plain. This is about either glorifying God or making disciples living in such a way that uh, that they will emulate him, which he's their discipler, but they're discipling others, supposed to be discipling others. And that those are more almost summary statements or explanation statements of why he wants them to come to this place. And so uh, I'll say for me, this month, I, I have been reading this letter in a different way mm-hmm. than I have previously. And it's, it's been very helpful to see that this for Paul existed within the concept of the Corinthians being disciples who made disciples, but the right kind of disciples right. instead of the, we've got to use it again, right? The, the Emma <laughs> Whirlfish uh, disciples, mm-hmm. you know? And so, um, all right. So with that is kind of uh, the context. Um, tell us, uh, tell us where we were this past Sunday. What was, what was this Sunday's focus in a nutshell? Yeah, this Sunday we, we kind of got into chapter three and, um, in chapter one is where the Apostle Paul first brings up, hey, you know, I've heard there's these divisions among you and some people are saying, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow Cephas. And so he, he, he brings that back up, he rehashes that and says, kind of rein, reinforces like this, this kind of attitude from you, like this is why I'm saying like, I can't really even talk to you the way I want to talk to you. You know, like you're mm-hmm. just, you're, these kind of statements let me know that you are immature like and, and you're still in your worldly because that's the way that the world talks that's not the way that disciples of Christ talk and and so then in kind of a a response to that is is almost like I can't believe like and here's the absurdity of even talking like that because and he just goes into just using him and Apollos because he's like we're on the same team 
You know, and yeah. it's like so ridiculous that you've got two people that are marching in the same direction and have the same aim and have the same purpose and and our coworkers with one another. Like we are so aligned in what we want you to do and, and who we want you to become is that it's it's just ridiculous for somebody to say, well, I follow one of you and somebody else to say, well, I follow the other. Right. It's like it's it's almost laughable. Okay. Uh, and, and so that's that, that's kind of the the base of of Sunday sermon now this week was a little different because not that we can't learn from that and not that there aren't divisions in the church today and that we can't kind of say oh yeah um, it's all about following Jesus and but really uh, a little bit of a different application this this time and saying a little bit more like when when we put ourselves in that position of being the disciple maker uh-huh. What so often happens, at least I know I do this, and I think it's pretty true for most of us who are in Christ, and and start to feel the pressure to go go evangelize and go make disciples, is this feeling of I've got to do this all by myself, mm. and so the right. the underscoring idea here is, Paul says I planted and Apollos watered. But God gave the increase. Mm-hmm. God made the mm-hmm. things grow. God made you grow, and we know that inside. You know, we know that inside. This is a really amazing Sunday because Sunday evening uh, we had five five young five people from the youth group got baptized, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And I got to talk to one of one of the dads before. Just kind of that's what we know. Like as much time and energy and effort and prayer that goes into. Trying, like, hoping that your child will come to that point where they make a decision to follow Jesus. At the end of the day, you know that it's God sparked something in right. them. Like, right? well, so, so kind of that was a lot of what I wanted to get across this week was like, I don't have to do it alone, and you don't have to do it alone. Like, we, God has, we see Paul as this great, great evangelist, and God didn't say, Paul, go do it alone. Right. He gave him a task, and Paul went and he did faithfully did that task, and that's something to admire and try to imitate. But he also gave Apollos a task, which was not the same as Paul's, uh, but but yep. just as important. And there's probably, I mean, obviously, I think Paul keeps it to him and Apollos for the sake of the argument. He could probably keep going on and listing names, and in some places he does things like that. Yeah. Um, so God uses all these people. He calls them to specific tasks to help people um, to kind of create, to plant and water and, and nurture. Uh, at the end of the day, God's going to make the increase. And that's the biggest thing is God's on the team. right? So God gives you a team to make disciples with, and he is the leader of that team, and he is the power of that team. Love that. That's really good, Rob. Thank, thanks for that uh, summary there. And so... I want to ask you a little bit more about kind of this idea of Paul planting and Apollos watering a little bit. And just, I guess, let me just read this directly from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. Paul's saying, I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters works together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. We are both God's workers, and you are God's field. You are God's building. So I want to talk a little bit more about that and just kind of dissect that a little bit and see just 
So what, what, what does that mean? Just break that down <laughs> for us a little bit. What are, what are we talking about? Paul planting, Apollos watering, what is that? What, what's that referring to? And then kind of when we put that in the larger light that Paul's saying here is that God is the one making it grow. What, is, what does that mean in relation to the work that they're doing? Um, yeah. So just kind of break that down for us a little more. Uh, so verse 9 ends with, you know, you are God's field, God's building. And, and it, the building part doesn't make any sense in that context, mm. right? Like somebody's planting, somebody's watering, God's making things grow, and you're a building. You know, and so that's actually uh, a bridge into, so he kind of makes that point about there's the planters and the waters and God makes everything grow and ends that with, and that's, and, and you, if, if we've been doing this work on you, then who you have been in the equation is God's field. When he talks about you are God's building, that goes into the next couple of verses, and I'll, I'll read those. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says, uh, I think I've got Starting those. in verse 10. Yeah, so because of God's grace in me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. So that would be Apollos and others, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw, but on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. Fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will will receive a reward, but if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames." that might add more confusion than explanation, but I think at least for maybe giving some clarity on the, the planting and the watering is kind of using the second analogy is, all right, here's this great building and, and seeing this group of Christians in Corinth as being that building. So Paul sees his work as I came in and I laid the foundation. Now, the thing about foundations and probably why, you know, Paul was on a mission, right? And he he moved from place to place and this is what he did. This was his task. He talks about how he was given a task is to go to new places that hadn't heard the gospel and lay foundation, right? So once you've got a foundation laid, it's ridiculous to lay another foundation on top of that foundation. Right? Right. Like that work has been done. And so Paul doesn't really need to stick around and keep laying foundation. Once he's done that work, he can move on and and find the new place. Or he was very in tune with God's spirit. So wherever the spirit was leading him to go, he would go and lay a foundation there. Um, but part of the foundation laying, I think, was was training people to correctly teach God's word. You know, so you have other roles. Uh, pe- people who are teachers and people who are evangelists that kind of emerged within those settings so they could kind of keep that going. And so that's, in the second analogy, a warning like, hey, that foundation is a good, solid foundation. Mm-hmm. But you can still build pretty, you can use terrible, you know, uh, materials if you want to. And and we see that, mm-hmm. you know, in in churches today, there's a temptation to skimp on the materials. Right, like we just want to get this thing up fast, you know. And since I've got 
young kids, I think of like the three little pigs. <laughs> you know, like, you know, like, let's just get this, like, I'm lazy. I don't want to do the work. Let's just get this house of straw or house of twigs, you know. And, um, but we, if we want to, if that's where our role is, that we're building on top of somebody else's foundation, and it's a good foundation of Jesus Christ, which is the only foundation that really matters mm-hmm. or that can last, then we need to make sure that we are using premium grade A product as as we build on that, and and that because that's people's yeah. lives, and that's people's souls. Uh, so, so I, I, guess I don't know if that. Then, well, then I guess as mapping that onto the planning, watering, imagery. I mean, I guess the laying the foundation is the equivalent of the planting mm-hmm. of the seed, same yeah, kind of so. idea of the genesis, and then the actual building of the building would be akin to watering the seed. Yeah. Then Paul saying, but it's God that makes it grow. Explain more about that. Right. Well, and, you know, this, again, is probably something that we just know as, because you can take you can take one lesson. Let's say somebody just, they put together a dynamite, amazing lesson, and they, they teach that lesson to 100 people. Um, not every, even though it's the same lesson, those hundred people are different, right? And so they're going to receive it in different ways, and and they're going to respond in different ways. And I think that that's that's that Holy Spirit God factor of God working in our lives. And there's things mm-hmm. that somebody somebody can hear something over and over and over and over again, and just it never clicks. And then one day it clicks. Well, why? What what is that factor? You know, and it's mm-hmm. and how can we explain it? And I think that's that's that God factor, and that can be tough for us as humans because we we would love everything to just be very, very mapped out for us, mm-hmm. right? You know, okay, if you need a new person and you have a this conversation, this conversation, and you read them this, this, and this of scripture, you know, do the then they will become a Christian. Yeah, like okay, I just have to go through this. <clears throat> I just have to accomplish these steps, and they're good, uh, and. Obviously, there's a personal factor in there, uh, but there's a way that God works in the heart that none of us can do. That's good. Yet God calls us into partnership. God's design and his plan for making disciples is not that he's just going to divinely go through and touch people's hearts. He wants us us to be transformed and go mm-hmm. out and mm-hmm. take on these different things. And for some people to go out and lay foundation, or, you know, to plant the seeds and some people to water them. And... Um, it's really quite humbling for us as we've seen ourselves as disciple makers, as planters, waters, whatever that might be, but to realize that we're not we're not the one that does that makes right. it grow. We're not the one that's going to cause that to happen. Right. But we can still be faithful to that call to plant, to water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, I would say on the other side of it too, I think it really does take a lot of pressure off as well. I shared last night. Yeah. At, um, in my small group, as we were working through this passage, uh, talking, just you know, there are times where, you know, as I'm looking for opportunities, uh, I see an opportunity, and because I'm so concerned about having just the right words, I actually don't step into that opportunity because I just mm-hmm. don't find what I believe are just the right words, just the perfect. So, so I put mm-hmm. all this responsibility up upon myself for, for finding the perfect words to communicate something about God within the situation to a specific person. And so because I didn't find the perfect words, I did nothing. So, you know, Colossians 4, I didn't make the most of every opportunity. I missed the opportunity entirely 
but it was because I put too much on myself, mm-hmm. um, you know, that I would be the catalyst or that I could somehow make something grow instead of I could respond faithfully to, to work that God is already doing. Um, you know, I, I love, and Rob has uh, been spending time with our small group. I love what Rob said out of that as well, just this idea that if God hasn't been working too, then even if I had the perfect words, mm-hmm then what would it do? Right. And so it does. It, I think it, it, it both humbles us because we realize there's only so much we can do, but it also, it also takes off some of the pressure, I think, that so many of us feel in realizing I'm actually only called to one thing, and it's, it's to respond faithfully to the work that God is already doing, not to come up with the perfect phrase, not to craft or manufacture the opportunity, which is, I think, what, what we often try to do in disciple making, we're looking to be the one who sets the stage for just the right opportunity, or for those of us who preach and the three of us, all three of us communicate. Um, at times, you know, we we just we put so much time and effort into crafting what we hope will be the right uh, turn of a phrase, even or something, and that will be the thing that moves people. You know, I, I think even as I read back upon some of the preachers of old, whether it be. Uh, let's say a Chesterton or a Stott or even some of the guys before them, I think about uh, one of the things that that really has struck me, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, same thing. Those guys spent so much time in prayer about the message they were going to preach that God would work in the time when they were sharing the message. They spent a whole lot less time thinking about what's the perfect way to say it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and, and, and a whole lot more time begging God to be at work moving when they opened his word. Yeah. You know, it's just, it really is, it is different from, I think, the culture that we find ourselves in. Yeah. Where sometimes perfection, getting it just right, we, we put the emphasis on our ability and instead of, instead of putting the emphasis on the working of God. And so I think there's so much in this passage that points us back to God's doing what he's doing. Um, Let's join him in what he's doing mm-hmm. in a faithful response. So, uh, so I, I appreciate that emphasis uh, a whole lot. Um, you talked yesterday as well, or yesterday for us again. Um, you talked uh, about um, disciple making as a team effort, and you've already touched on that just a little bit. But um, I think that is worth returning to as well. Uh, this idea that disciple making is a team effort. I think this is a a very important idea for us for a number of reasons, but I'd like to hear why for you, you think that's so important and, and maybe even then beyond that, how how might we lean into teamwork as a part of our framework for disciple making within within our current setting? Yeah, so, I mean, that's, Paul, Paul in, the, in the text in chapter three uses the term co-workers, you know, we're co-workers right. and, um, and you get that sense of, you know, okay, well, if, if you see a field and some somebody's planting and somebody's watering and somebody's making things grow, then yeah, they're all working together mm-hmm. to to accomplish that goal. So, so what does that look like? You know, and who who am I working with? You know, so I kind of looked at it in on, in four levels. I think there's kind of like a family level, and that you know, for me, it's it is a family. It could just be. Um, a group of two or three or four friends, mm-hmm. you know, I think that are kind of on the same page and work together in that way. Uh, I think the next level 
church-wise would be small group and then the church as a whole and you know there could be sections in between their ministries you know like we like just mentioned the youth group uh, the youth group is bigger than a small group but smaller than the Grace Chapel for us mm-hmm. you know and so there's there's entities like that that like yeah hopefully they're working as a team to mm-hmm. accomplish something we've got a group of seniors the prime timers you know and they're 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 working as a team so there's that level and then there's a kingdom level in which uh, you know you you might have a conversation with somebody and never see them again. <laughs> yeah, and then they go yeah. on and they go off to some other place or they move to a different part of the country or a different part of the world. And they're gonna, God is going to put people in their life and have them encounter different things so that they uh, each time hopefully are getting a little closer to him. So that's a beautiful thing is to understand mm-hmm. uh, that the end product is not up to me. You know, I don't even have the ability yeah. to accomplish that but I have a task and so that that task could be either the spiritual gift or the ability that God has given me mm-hmm. or or where God has put me you know or the people that God puts in front of my life and puts mm-hmm. in my life uh, and so then based on those different things I can kind of see see different teams now it's it, it's helpful to kind of have some understanding of what God has gifted you in Right. So like, what is my sure. task? If I know I can't do it all, like then I kind of especially know the places where I'm deficient. So then I can look out into my my teams and see, OK, here's where I'm deficient. But this person really excels in this, you know, so maybe it's like just being empathetic, you know, and, and like, hey, here this person's going through a hard time. And like I can I can read them Bible verses, but. I'm not really, I'm not, I can't give them a hug and, and listen to them complain. Like, I just, I'm terrible at that. <laughs> so I'm going to try to connect them with somebody that I know is just so loving. And so, and that person, though, like that person, I know them, and they have said to me more than one occasion, they shy away from getting into Bible studies with people because they're so scared that of questions that are going to be asked that they just don't know, like, right. the chapter verse on. You know, so it's like, well, well, we can work together now, you know, so they can reach somebody. And if they get to that place where they're like, they want a Bible study, but I can't do it. Well, okay, call me, you know, and they're like, they just need to cry on somebody's shoulder and I can't do that. Like I can call you. Okay. <laughs> so naturally in families, I'm a, I'm a huge, um, like, I guess, what do they call it? Like group, um, group theory mm-hmm. type things. Uh, if you, if we're all hanging out and I'm loud and goofing off and I'm making jokes and somebody else is like, oh, those guys look fun. I think I'll go hang out with those guys. And we've maybe got five or six guys and I'm that loud making joke guy. If another loud making joke guy comes into our setting, there's going to be immediately conflict between he and I. Right? It's just a natural thing because I'm like, wait a minute, in this group, I'm the loud jokester. That's your identity. Like that's yeah. that's my role that I kind of play, and everybody kind of plays their role. So if you come in and you're trying to play that role, like now that might you're either going to bump me out. It's very hard to coexist as loud jokesters, you know, or you're going to immediately see like uh, okay, they already have they already have a guy for that here, and and so maybe one of us has to adjust if the relationship is. That I'm loving important. this example, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> that happens in families too. 
right? So like my first child is very good, very compliant. We can ask him to go do something and he'll go do it. My second child grows up seeing that. She can't make her mark in the world if she's just like her older brother. Yeah. So you ask older brother, hey, can you go do this? Yeah, sure, I'll go do it. Ask younger sister, hey, can you do this? Why? You know, like now she can stand out. Mm-hmm. Ask child number three, hey, can you go do this? She'll just throw herself on the floor and scream, right? Because asking why is not going to stand out and going and doing it's not going to stand out. So if I can just like scream about it, that'll make me stand out. So we, we kind of, we naturally gravitate towards mm-hmm. groups of people that are like us in some ways, but also where we can have a spot. And so yeah. there's, when we get together in small groups at church, mm-hmm. they there's a process of group life um, form. And then step number two is storm. So that's what you put a group together of people and then the second part of it is storming because everybody's trying to figure out their place mm-hmm. and so there's conflict of personalities there's different goals there's different ideas and it's not until that storm kind of resides or calms down that the group can become kind of norm normalize and then actually perform and that's that's small group theory in the mm-hmm. business world and psychological world right it's, it's <laughs> It's a good little crash course. You know, it's, it's not to it's not to take their observation. You know, like that's truth, right? Like that's wisdom right. um, that that we can gain from the world, and we see it. So I think in a church church situation, a small group, same thing. But we see it we see it from a completely different angle, you know. And like Paul later on in First Corinthians twelve, we'll talk about different spiritual gifts, and then com- compare the body of Christ to a human body. Right and like okay, there's one person's a hand and one person's a foot and one person's an ear and one person's an eye. Nobody can say that the other part isn't needed, because all of these different parts of the body have unique functions, but they all work in harmony right. to make some amazing things happen. And so, that's the really long answer to. I so I love the idea of looking at a small group as a disciple-making community, because. There's things we're going to connect and we're going to learn each other's strengths and weaknesses. We're going to learn each other's abilities and spiritual gifts. We're going to kind of figure out we need to make this body move. And so who who are the hands and the feet? Who are the Mm -hmm. eyes and the ears? And how can we do this together? And once you get to that place where you can really perform, then you can really go and do ministry together. Mm. Yeah, Man, I'd love... That's really good. That's really good. Love you. Flesh that out a little bit more. What that can look like as a small group because I think I think that's different than the way a lot of us might think of small groups or at least maybe we aspirationally think of it that way but functionally I think that's different than the way some small groups operate where mm-hmm. it is more it's more about community it's more about um, maybe just building ourselves up edification which is which is all really great yeah. but sometimes the discipleship part can get left out of that picture. Certainly. So help us help us understand a little bit more what could that actually look like. And that's a huge that's a huge big first step, I guess, is to to change the target. Because mm-hmm. if if the target of the small group is like we just want to have a place where people can get to know each other and be friendly, you know, or we want existing Christians just to to grow in their own relationship with each other and God, then then you don't really, like I feel like that 
that limits the small group potential. Mm -hmm. and, and so there's groups that are gonna be very happy going along that, that mm -hmm. course. There's other groups that at a certain point are going to kind of reach their, their limit, their potential, and then start to lose the vision of what God is really wanting them to do. So I think that is a huge initial key uh, and in something like I, I work with the small groups here at Grace Chapel. For the sake of potential, real yeah. quick, um, you mean potential as it relates to the mission of God? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just wanted to clarify that. So, yeah, because um, so with small groups at Grace Chapel, we've been trying to say like, well, we feel like we've been doing a good job at the greatest commands, right? Love God with all of your heart, strength, mind, soul. Mm -hmm. Love your neighbor as yourself. Neighbors as kind of our community. Mm -hmm. So, we, yeah, and our small groups do a really good job of that. But what if, what if our small groups also embraced the Great Commission? Yes. So we also kind of felt this, together we can go out and make disciples and baptize them and teach them to obey all the things that Christ commanded. Like, what if, right? because again, like, because I can't do that all by myself, but what if we did that? What if we could do that together? So uh, actually, Jim also works at Grace Chapel for those of you who are not <laughs> Grace Chapel people that might be listening uh, and he shared something with me uh, and I can't remember all of the different um, terms that he used but kind of looking at this kind of group evangelism type thing or group disciple making and you've got some people that are just really good at inviting mm -hmm. you know and I think he called them the takers or you know so, uh, so, so some people that's Okay, we've got this little community, and mm -hmm. and man, that's that's their thing. They're going to go out, and they just have this knack. They can meet somebody at this store. They can meet somebody at the park. They can meet somebody that they're you know just hanging out with, or just see like they're they're waiting in line for something, and they can strike up conversation, and they can get it, and they can get it to a certain place, and say, hey, you know what? A group of my friends, we all meet at at Ben's house, and we have this time where we we read the Bible together, and we talk about life stuff, and. Would, would you be interested in that? And that person, they're just so good at inviting. And other people in your group are not, there might be somebody else in the group that would never, mm -hmm. ever do that. Or never, you know, they just yeah. don't make those connections. But that person might be really good at putting together discussion questions and Bible study things, you know. And so, and so that's, they're going to come to the group kind of feeling like, yeah, this is my place. Like, I can really lead us in discussion. I can really facilitate this. Somebody else might be like, I, I, I can't meet somebody out and I can't lead the Bible study, but I can bake a mean casserole, right? And so like, <laughs> and so like you bring people and I will feed them. And so you start to see a synergy of, of kind of things happening and people working with one another. So now if you're that person that's like, oh, okay, well, I just met Paul at the grocery store and he was telling me about this group and it's, it's a little nerve wracking to go, but I think I'll go. And... And you show up, and there's people that are just so, somebody else comes in, and they're like, "Hey, this this is my house. Like you, you know, and welcome. I'm so glad you came." And and then you eat that delicious casserole, and you're having the good conversation, and then things lead, and the the spiritual direction of the group is not overbearing, but good and conversational, and you know, and hopefully everybody working together is going to provide that good thing. The other piece of it is. If you really see yourself as a team, maybe you know, all right, this person I just met, they they probably won't accept an invitation to my small group Bible study. You know, mm -hmm. or my, but maybe I can say that I'm gonna just 
and I'm having some people over for dinner, dinner and games, dinner and hanging out, whatever. Like, come on over. Like, it'd be great. I'd love for you to get to know some of these people. Then you start making your phone calls for the people that have committed to be like, yes, Rob, we will be on your team. We'll be on your disciple-making team. So that doesn't mean like, okay, well, we meet every Thursday at 6 p.m. And anything outside of that, we're going to be strangers. It means we're working together. Mm-hmm. You know, and so those opportunities where it might be, you know, anything. So like Paul's got some some kids that play baseball. So maybe he's like, there's a couple of people that are really interested. Small group, will you guys come? Are there in these next three or four baseball games, are there any that you can come and cheer my boys on and get to know some of the other parents in the stand? Because Lori's been having really good conversations with them and it'd be great to say, Oh, and, and here's Rob or here's Mark and, and they come to our small group. You know, they come to our house on Sunday nights and whatever. And so you're using each other far beyond the group. But, um, but everybody's kind of got their spot. And when you've got that, that hopefully is making you excited about going to small group yeah. and being a part of that, yeah. right? Because they're like, I get to cook my casserole every week or a different one. And I love this, you know, because people that, that love that stuff love yeah. that stuff. And like, oh, I don't have to do everything, but I can go out and I can invite the world and... I love it, and my group loves me for it. Because mm-hmm. they're like, thank goodness Ben's inviting these people. Because Lord knows I'm not, you know? And so, I mean, that's a, the ideal picture, obviously. But, uh, man, it's yeah. really it's really helpful, Rob. And this one, uh, that conversation is very personal and relevant in my life right now. Because, you know, we've had several conversations outside of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a small group leader, and Paul, you're in that same position mm-hmm. as well. And it's been a learning journey for me of how does our, how can my small group take on that role as being more disciple-making focused, of mm-hmm. being disciple-makers. And we're, we're still working that out. We don't have to figure it out at <laughs> yeah, all. Yeah. But one step that we've just taken in that direction has been each week, we always, one of the things we do together as a group is we take communion together in our group and we spend a few minutes and we take communion. We spend a little bit of time in prayer and then we go around our circle and everyone kind of shares about if there's anyone in their world that they are trying to disciple, that they want mm-hmm. to pray for. And we've got a couple people who are actively engaged in that and they'll share stories of this is this is what I've been doing. This is how this has been going, working with this person. We all know names. Everyone has this, a name that they're sharing each week of, hey, this is my person that I've been praying for. Mm-hmm. And then we pray over those names together. And it's just been a really cool thing of getting our group a little bit more <clears throat> disciple-making minded. Yeah. It's been a very simple step that's been helping us move in that direction. That's been really cool. So I've really appreciated your encouragement right. in that direction. I wonder, Paul, what is that? what's that looking like in your... In your group, I'm kind of putting you on the spot yeah. here, but as a group leader as well. No. I mean, it's, uh, <clears throat> I'd say similar in, in our group in some sense. Now, we, we don't do it quite that way, but we, we use the um, the three-thirds or discovery Bible study method. Mm-hmm. And so we're sharing challenges and uh, praises. And it's interesting when, you know, a challenge comes out and the challenge is actually related. I mean, thinking about one guy presenting last night at our small group, his challenge that he presented was concern over... Uh, the potential loss of an opportunity with a guy that he was hoping to reach and has been trying to reach, uh, but but wanting to, to wanting us to pray as a group that that was not the case, that the opportunity was not lost, and that actually 
there would be another on-ramp for another conversation. And so, yeah, those, those things are, those are definitely active and ongoing. And it does, you know, even, even for me, I've got several guys that I'm trying to engage with or have been for a while. And to know that our small group, um, as we share those, uh, either those names out or just, you know, here's the setting in which I'm doing this, if it's not necessarily specific names, to know that other people are praying, yeah. um, uh, boy, incredible encouragement. Um, you know, I think too, um, we read a study a number of years ago and I can't remember exactly where it came from. So it's always dangerous to quote studies <laughs> when you're not actually quoting the study, but, um, but, but talking about burnout in ministry. So for ministry leaders, but then also just particularly leaders within, within a church. So just leaders within a church. So we're talking about staff, paid staff people and volunteer leaders and burnout came especially when uh, a person felt like they were responsible for everything having to do with this particular mm -hmm. ministry. Mm -hmm. So the small yeah. group leader, and I'm supposed to do it all. Mm -hmm. So I'm supposed to have the house. I'm supposed to be the inviter. I'm supposed to be the person that can lead the lesson. Mm -hmm. And maybe Provide my food. wife has to be the one <laughs> that can take care of all the food. Yeah. You know, and so here you are doing everything and everybody's coming to you. And now small group is just another place where people come to consume just at a different level. Mm -hmm. Right. As opposed to we're coming together, you know, I love um, the way uh, Mark Sayers talks about, you know, a church moving to a place where they are really truly living uh, in a healthy response to what God is calling us into. And he says that, that church will move from consuming the faith to contending for the faith. Mm -hmm. Well, we don't want to create another space for consuming. I mean, if that's what small groups turn right. out to be, that's, that is actually not healthy. You're not learning how to live uh, together as a family. You know, my kids in my house. Um, I want for them to be active participants within our family as opposed to just consumers of the things that we put in front of them. So right. we work hard and we bring home the finances, we bring home the food and we have this place for them to stay and they are just freeloading everywhere they go <laughs> and we're not training them to become good mm -hmm. young adults. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, the same is true in, in small groups. They ought to be places where training, equipping, yeah. teaching is taking place so that it truly does become teamwork oh, yeah. uh, as we go. And so, again, it's, it's not healthy when it's not, and it's not just for those who aren't being taught or trained or equipped. It's also not healthy for that one person who feels like all of this is on me yeah yeah and, and again it leads to burnout i can't remember what the rate was but that was that was the number number one reason for burnout i believe was i feel like all of this is on my shoulders yeah and there's um, no really small good. task because my i think my <laughs> favorite small group member is the person who does the dishes like when we hosted when we were <laughs> yeah. when we were hosting at our house when i would like walk through and i'd see somebody just at my sink doing all the dishes i would be like I love you so much. Like I am so glad <laughs> yeah. you're part of this group because <laughs> I don't want to do that. I don't want Cassie to have to do that. Um, but I just wanted to throw something real quick. This is, a, but the, you know, this goes along with the whole idea of teamwork and, and making disciples. But it is also when the small group changes their their target and they're like, we're no longer just here for each other, all right, and just yeah. here to make each other closer to Jesus. When we, we're here to serve together and we're here to make disciples together, then then that will change how you see a lot of different things, right? And so one of those things is, all right, definitely, I think, Ben, what you've mentioned is a great example. We can say, who are people in your life that aren't Christians yet we can be praying for? Mm -hmm. But second, every prayer request becomes an opportunity. 
where yeah. it's not just here's God, here's what we want yeah, you to good. do, but they say, yeah. okay, God, what do you want us to do? Like, what do you yeah. want? How do you want us to respond to this prayer request? And just last month, uh, there is one of the one of the ladies in one of, one of the groups that meets here at the church building brought a request. One of her friends had just tragedy in her life, a uh, terrible, terrible uh, child, child died. Hmm. And so the women in the group got together and they all uh, wrote cards of encouragement and, and, and like note cards with encouraging scriptures on them. And, and they put this whole package together to send this mother in mourning, you know, and that's, that's, then that's the next level, right? Like that's when, that those are the steps that I think are really mm-hmm. incredible because mm-hmm. now it's like your group's not contained within itself. Now you're performing, right? Like you're in that stage where right. it's like, all right, this is who we are. This is what God wants us to be. When we hear that, you know, your your coworkers having a tough time because, you know, her husband's been in the hospital for six weeks. Well, what can we do now? Can we right. bring her a meal? Can mm-hmm. we, you know, like just and you're thinking outside of your group to like, there's a reason that 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 you are aware of this person's issues and problems. And how can we show them what Jesus looks like? And that's what, I mean, that's what discipleship and disciple making is all about, right? Showing other people, like, this is what it means to follow Jesus. And then they see that, you know, it's a, uh, that's really good. Yeah. Agree. That's awesome. So as we, you guys got me all excited. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell it's amazing. It's amazing. As we start to come to a close on this episode, we are, I'll say it every week, and I'll say it again, the podcast is Practice Makes Faithful. Mm-hmm. So how can we practice this? How can we practice this to be faithful to that mission? And even as we're kind of closing, uh, coming to a close on this series, what's, uh, as you're all hyped up right now, give us <laughs> yeah. our, give us our, give us our uh, marching orders as we move forward into this. How can we be faithful to this mission? Um, I don't have any in now. Uh, <laughs> well, one of the things that really struck me about First Corinthians three is that Paul talks about how that that God has given each of them, Paul and Apollos, a task, right. and yeah. that they. But that task, he then says, but has one purpose. And so, as a church, I think numero uno as individuals that are a part of any church or small group or ministry or anything is kind of to know what is ultimately what is the purpose of that thing that you're involved in mm-hmm. and it's it's got to be about bringing glory to God and then it's got to be about us giving up our own lives and doing anything we can to help other people get closer to Jesus and like I mean that's Mm-hmm. Paul says, you know, I make my slave, myself a slave to everybody so that I might win some or that so that I might save some. And that so I'm kind of using his language and translating into get people closer to Jesus. Like that is mm-hmm. why we exist. And so every ministry that we have, every small group that we have, every team that we have, every family in the church could know, should know like my family exists to help other people get closer to Jesus. My small group exists to help other people get closer to Jesus. So that that is a huge thing. Like if if you're in a group or part of a ministry that does not see that as its ultimate purpose, then that needs to shift. And if those things shift, 
I think just automatically some some things will fall in place. But that's the back yeah. on track. Mm -hmm. That means your yeah. small group is off track, or that means your family's off track, or your ministry's off track, or your whole church is off track. That's the back on track. Glorify God. Do everything you can to save people. All right, mm -hmm. like that's what yeah. it's all about. That's what Paul's writing the Corinthians. So then, second to that, or if that's what the purpose is, what's your task within that purpose? Because you you can't do it. Like you can't save those people. You can't, you can't do all the things that need to be done to save that person. But you can do whatever task God has given you. Now, some people balk at this. They mm -hmm. they get they get all tight. Like oh, I don't you know I don't know what my gift is. I don't know what I'm supposed to do or whatever it might be. Uh, I don't. I, maybe you guys have some good advice for you know somebody that's in that situation. Just, I think just try. I think there's a lot of good resources out there. Uh, I mentioned uh, in the class that I was teaching on Sunday the the acronym Shape, which stands for spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, and experiences. Mm -hmm. Kind of look at a, a grander picture of how has God shaped you for ministry. So it might not be. You know, just about a gift, but it might be that you've had several experiences in your life that are unique, yes. that now you can help other people going through yes. those experiences. Mm -hmm. Or it might be your personality, that you love going out and talking to people, or you love just sitting home and reading your Bible. You know what? Um, it might be like natural abilities that wouldn't be spiritual gifts, just things that you're really good at. Mm -hmm. That those are things that you could go out and teach somebody else. And then, how can you infuse spirituality into those connections? Uh, so there's in the heart, you know, what causes really, really get you. And and I think we see as in the last couple of years where the world has put things in front of us and be like, here's a cause. You're supposed to care about this. There's people that are like, I'm not really that passionate about that cause. You know, so what do I do? Like, do I have to be passionate about that cause? No, because there's a million causes out there. We can't be passionate about all of them. So there's a way that God is uniquely woven your heart together to make you so so take some time and consider that and kind of think like all right in this whole grand picture of helping people get closer to Jesus how's how has God shaped me or how is he shaping me so that I can fit that and that's I think if you're in a vacuum maybe harder to do if you're in the context of a group or a family or a small group then you can kind of say okay here's what we're doing together or in your ministry and here's my place in this group yeah. Right. Yeah. So I can see other people are doing these things. So you're either trying to find the thing that maybe you can do that nobody else is really doing, or mm -hmm. that somebody else is doing doing well and saying, I feel like what you're doing is really attractive to me, mm -hmm. and I feel like I could do that same thing. Can you show me how to do what you're doing? Yeah. You know, be my mentor. Show show yeah. me the way. And that person can be different than you. They can be younger than you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Who cares? God God uses all that stuff. So I'd say those, are, those would be the two things. Make sure that whatever you're a part of, that the ultimate purpose is getting glorifying God and getting people closer to Jesus. And then number two, uh, find, find your niche. You know, find your spot. Find what is God. And ask God. I mean, don't do it all on your own, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Pray about it. You know, God, yeah, God. If you don't know what the task is that God's given you, then, then beg him to reveal it to you. And he'll... That's something that I believe God will definitely be faithful and give you the answer to that. Yeah, I appreciate that, Rob. There's there's so much in there to contemplate. I love that you brought out the idea of experience. I remember the fairly well-known minister who said several years ago, um, you know, 
the things that we experience, um, you know, those things, God, God doesn't waste, the way he said it is, God never wastes a hurt. And often mm-hmm. your deepest ministry will arise out of your deepest hurt. You know, or your most impactful ministry will arise out of your deepest hurt because God takes those places where we've been wounded and shaped, where the, the experiences that we've had, he, you know, abilities emerge sometimes out of those experiences for the sake of ministry if, he'll, if we'll allow them mm-hmm. uh, to be used by him. And so, you know, I think for, for, for those who are listening today, you know, that's sometimes a great thing to contemplate is not just, um, you know, where have I been successful but, but even where have I failed or where has maybe someone failed me? Um, you know, I shared as we were talking uh, offline earlier the story uh, about connecting, you know, engaging in a counseling relationship. Um, maybe I have some skills, you've got some skills in counseling, but maybe we don't always have the experiences that mm-hmm. someone has, has gone through. And sometimes connecting someone, if they're okay with that, obviously, with a person who's walked mm-hmm. through the same thing. Um, you know, and again, there, there in comes that teamwork. Right. Um, and you see amazing things happen when we take what we have and we use it. We just bring it as an offering before God. Uh, again, I think the verse that you uh, referenced, um, you know, verse 5 in chapter 3, what after all is Apollos, what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. And then this is the, the pivotal piece in that, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. And mm-hmm. so... You know, I think that is, I think, the encouragement that you're sharing uh, in two parts to, to go and be faithful, yeah. um, to go and be faithful, to try to discover what faithfulness looks like. Uh, how can you live out your part? Each God has assigned to each his task. How can you go live out your part uh, in being a disciple who makes disciples as part of a team? Mm-hmm. I think you have to do it all but as part of the team and, and being faithful to the task that God has assigned you. So uh, fantastic encouragement for all of us. Um, it, it's, it's, again, humbling, but also reassuring to me yeah. uh, to know that, that I'm part of a team. I don't have to do everything, um, and, and not just as a staff team, but larger within the small group, within the church, and then within the kingdom. Uh, what a great and healthy way of thinking about that. So. Um, again, we, we just want to say thanks for joining us uh, for this week. We really hope that this has been a helpful conversation today mm-hmm. in particular, uh, helpful for me to be a participant in the conversation, so hopefully helpful to you as somebody who's been listening, um, and certainly hope for, that, hope that for the month as well. Um, obviously, we do love to, to hear feedback from you all. Again, give you the email address. It is practicemakesfaithful at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts and feedbacks, and if you've ever got a question for us, uh, we'd love to take the, the time to answer that as well. We hope that what we're doing is helping you mm-hmm. walk more faithfully with Jesus. So go uh, put into practice the things that will make you more faithful. You got, yeah. Yeah, and let me add, because please join us again next yes. week yes. as we're diving into a new series. That's right. That uh, Paul's going to be talking to us about called With You Always. With, with You, you Always. always. Yep. So we would love to have you for that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Until then, uh, God bless and we'll see you next week.